According to Acts chapter 6, verse 4, the elders work with teams and delegate to deacons so that they can commit themselves to the Word of God and prayer. And so that's what our elders are dedicated to. And so today, Newton's going to be bringing us the Word, and we'll be manning the prayer room afterwards. If you'd like to pray, you have an elder there for that. So, take it away. Okay. Do we have this one on? All right, thank you. This is uh, Luke uh, chapter 9, verses 1 through 6, if you want to follow along. One day Jesus called together his 12 disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Take nothing for your journey, he instructed them. Don't take a walking stick, a traveler's bag, food, money, or even a change of clothes. Wherever you go, stay in the same house until you leave town. And if a town refuses to welcome you, shake its dust from your feet as you leave to show that you have abandoned those people to their fate. So they began their circuit of the villages, preaching the good news and healing the sick. So we have been aggressively going after two chapters at a time here, and uh, I'll pause to pray here for us. So, Lord, as we look into your word this morning, I pray that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear, Lord, what your spirit would say to the church. We're willing to listen, in Jesus' name, amen. So the outline of these two chapters, I'm going to let you see here in verse uh, in chapter 9, there's a lot. So if we go to the next slide here, um, I almost ran out of room. <laughs> all right? And that's just chapter 9. I'm, how am I going to preach through all of this? And so I'm giving myself permission to go through Luke somewhat topically, looking at this idea of kingdom. So we're actually not going to do 20 sermons in one here today. But we're following this idea of Jesus sending people out. This is the first time that he's actually sending them out. He's been teaching them, and now he's saying, go do it. In other words, you've graduated, okay? Just like our seniors today at the high school are going to graduate, and someone's going to give a speech about what to do next with what they've learned, there's a graduation that's happening here. In, um, in Luke chapter, that's actually 10. I mistyped that, I'm sorry. But there's even more there of what's going on. Um, but we're going to go to verse 1 here this morning of chapter 9. And so it starts out with this verse. And this Jesus, people are really starting to wonder who he is at this point. Back last week, at the very end of it, he calms the sea, and even the, his disciples are saying, I'm not really sure I know who this guy is. The power and the authority he has. They're wondering. And Herod, Herod in chapter 9 here, he starts hearing and seeing what's going on. He's seeing the reign of God spreading and he's saying, I thought I killed John the Baptist. I thought I snuffed this out. I thought the kingdom is dead. No. You'll see through Luke and Acts, you can't snuff out. You can't stop 
what God has started through his reign. You can't stop it. The harder you try, the more it spreads. And I don't know what kind of week you guys have had. I know it's the end of a school year and you might be busy, okay? You might be a little tired and you might really be ready for summer. But even in that adversity, people are watching your life even more closely. Do you believe that? You might say to yourself, well, I need ideal conditions before I'm actually going to go do what the Lord's called me to do. We forget that a sovereign God is putting things on our plate because he wants to use it. Even in the mess, even in the pain, I know for me, when someone starts going through a hard time, I start looking a little more closely. If there's a ball game going on and a quarterback just threw his third interception, I start watching closely, right? When you lose the game, it reveals all of your character. (laughs) When you win, it reveals just some of it. And so people are watching your life. What kind of message Not only you're speaking, but what you're living. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks when people ask you how you're doing. Does it proclaim the kingdom and reign of God? And if not, maybe we need a commencement speech from Jesus here to remind us of what's important. Just like a senior in high school, valedictorian, will get up there and share to their classmates, you know what? Here's what I really thought was important in high school and what I think is important next to help stay focused. Jesus does that. And so he calls together his 12 disciples, says he gave them power and authority to cast out, doesn't say some, but all demons, and to heal not some, but all diseases. Isn't that great? That picture of spiritual and physical authority of his reign. It's over everything. It's over all of it. And it's not just spiritual, right? The reign of God is not just a spiritual reign. Something that we just have to wait for till heaven and Lord get us out of this place. (laughs) But it's physical too, this reign of God. It's light that is piercing the darkness for us. And for those watching our lives. So I think that's pretty remarkable. And yet, at the end of chapter 10, later on, the people are marveling. The disciples are saying, this is amazing. We're casting out demons in your name, Lord. And they're, they're, they come back to Jesus saying, this is awesome. The authority over darkness we have. And Jesus places their emphasis, refocuses it, and says, it's not about being able to manipulate darkness here. It's about the fact that you're part of the light. Rejoice in that. Focus on that. That is the main thing. That is why you have authority, is because you're turning on the light switch. That's why the darkness flees. It's not something to rejoice in, simply that we have power, but the fact that we are fellowshipping with God 
that our names are written in the book of life in heaven. That we're part of His kingdom. That is what we're rejoicing over. Is that nothing can stop us from reigning with God. I like here too, as Jesus calls them together. We sang a song about He's calling. And as you'll see as we go through here, it's not just 12 disciples He's addressing. In chapter 10, He addresses 72 and sends them out. And the Great Commission, which we might call the Great Commencement ceremony, when Jesus dies and raises again, He tells the church, I'm sending you out. We're part of that. Are we listening to the call this morning? Or, as we'll see later, are there excuses in our heads that say, but Lord, <laughs> let me go do this first. Right? Remember back in chapter 4 when Satan said, Jesus, look at these other kingdoms you could be part of. And at the end of the chapter, he says, no. He says, I've been called to preach the good news. And that word he uses, we're going to take a look at a little later here as well. We'll go now here to chapter 3, or verse 3 through 6. And he tells these people, you don't have to take a lot with you, right? Because I don't build my kingdom like the emperor does through taxes and war and soldiers. But I build it through my spirit. That's all you need. And I want to learn... you. I need you to learn this lesson, he tells them. Now later in chapter 22, he says, okay, now's the time to bring your money bag along. That belongs to me, okay? We can use everything here by all means to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth. But here he's teaching them the lesson. I need you to remember what you learn here today. That is by my spirit. And I love this last verse. It says, so... So it begins. So they began their circuit to the villages, preaching the good news and healing the sick. So they go out and they do it. I wish I had more stories of how it went for them. These 12 disciples, as they leave Jesus, we see later on, they are bickering about who's the greatest, right? As they travel along, well, I did some pretty cool things, right? Uh, it's just silly. And yet we as Christians act silly sometimes, don't we? But learning opportunities, okay? Jesus gets to have them go do this and teach them when they come back. That very last part there, the word preaching, it's a word that we'll look at now if you'll go to the next slide. It's where we get the word evangelist or evangelism. And so... That word is a Greek word, and it's split up in two parts. You means good, and angel means message. So you're bringing a good message. So that whole phrase, preaching the good news, is one word. You angle. And as we transliterate to English, that you gets a V, and we get evangel, evangelist, evangelism. And it's a good message. We're talking about as people look at your life, what kind of message are they hearing and seeing? And is it a good one? Is it any message at all? 
Are there people waiting to hear? We'll get back to that later. But this idea of giving the message, we've seen it. At the very beginning of chapter 8, verse 1, Jesus begins his tour preaching and announcing the good news of the kingdom of God. This theme just keeps showing up. There's power in the spoken word of God, and there's power in the lived out word of God. Jesus embodies that. He does it. He's been teaching these people the whole time. In the parable of Sower last week, don't just listen to a sermon on Beatitudes, go do it. And here they go do it. To the point that even Herod gets confused, saying, I thought this thing was dead, but it really looks alive, right? We get to prove that Jesus is not dead, but he really is alive. And make people scratch their heads a little bit. Saying, why does that person act that way? Why does that person keep going? Why does that person show fruits of the Spirit that the kingdom of God cannot offer? Why is that person living out love and joy and peace? How is that person living out patience, kindness and goodness and gentleness, faithfulness, self-control? Where is that coming from? It's part of the message. Continuing on here. The apostles return. They tell Jesus everything that they'd done. They try and slip away quietly, but now the crowds, they find out what's going on and they followed him. Jesus welcomed them and taught them about the kingdom of God. And he healed those who were sick. After this, he then feeds the 5,000. Before he does so, he tells the disciples, you feed them. What? I thought we were just sharing the good news. I don't want to have to figure out how to feed 5,000 people. Is that really my responsibility, these 5,000? <laughs> I'll make dinner for the 12, but 5,000 is too much. Jesus shows them how to do it, and he takes care of them. You'll notice last verse and this one, We'll see it two more times before the morning's over. Every time it mentions this idea of proclaiming the kingdom of God, it says, and heal those who are sick. That word heal is where we get the word therapy from. It means meet their needs. Give them service. And I tell you what, guys. As a church, it's really easy to just think about the twelve, Right? To say, well, I'll make dinner for the 12 and they'll be all right. 5,000 seems a little more daunting, but you ever stop to consider how many people live in Hampton? It's about 5,000. If you go out into the country a little ways, you can get up to 5,000. And that's our responsibility. If we're the closest light of the kingdom of God, isn't that our responsibility? It is. 
And God can do it. And he's wanting to do it through us. Just like what Jesus says to these disciples. He says, you feed them. What? I love when the risen Christ meets with Peter and three times he tells Peter, I know you've messed up plenty of times, but I want you to feed my sheep. Keep going. Feed them. Because people are hungry. They're hungry for hope. They're hungry for a different kingdom. There's real God-given yearnings that are going unmet. Before we judge them for turning to silly things, we have to remember, if they don't have the option to turn in the kingdom of God, if they're not hearing the message by word and deed, what other choice do they have? Of course they're going to turn to other things. Let them see the light, church. Let them see a risen Savior, one that's truly alive. He didn't just die on a cross. He rose from the dead. And the king is bringing his reign to Hampton. At the end of this chapter, we'll turn to the verses now, there's three people that get called to follow Jesus and they make up three excuses. Not everyone called follows when their hearts are not hard, when their hearts are hard. And so I included just the half of this. One of the people gives an excuse and Jesus says, come on. He says, your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Another said, yes, Lord, I'll follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. And Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. There's a focus there. And we're often tempted to look back at what's comfortable. Often we're going to say, all right, later, Lord. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure he gets tired of hearing later, Lord. But as we mentioned last week, he's looking for the man and woman who aims to be fully consecrated to him. This word up here uh, for preach, it's very similar to the evangelism word we were looking at. But instead of you, angel, it's dia, angel. Dia means throughout. It could mean throughout... um, Throughout a place, throughout a time, throughout any means. I really like that word. Because he's saying your duty is to preach throughout the kingdom of God. Throughout all places, throughout all time, throughout all means. This is the focus. We turn the corner now into chapter 10. And this theme continues, the Lord now chose 72 other disciples and he sent them ahead in pairs to the towns and places he planned to visit. And these were his instructions to them. He said, the harvest is great, but workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. I like that. More workers. And to pray. 
Next week, we're going to focus on the Lord's Prayer and praying the kingdom. Man, that's where the real work gets done. You can spin your wheels trying to reach a person for Christ, and then you remember to pray. All of a sudden, you hear them say, you know what, I just decided to grab a Bible yesterday, and I read this scripture, and it really hit me. <laughs> kind of like the Ethiopian that meets with Philip. He's just reading his Bible. God's gripping his heart. By the time Philip shows up, he's basically saying, could I be baptized? Philip goes, uh, yes. <laughs> that was his effort of evangelism, was just to show up and say yes. <laughs> How easy was that? God's spirit is good at ministry. <laughs> I remind myself and our staff that all the time in our meetings. Ministry is God's department, all right? <laughs> he invites us into that, but he's good at it. He's really good at it. Can't lose that. It's by his spirit that the work gets done. And then moving on. Again, I think this is the fourth time now he combines heal the sick and tell them, proclaim to them that the kingdom of God is near you now. Kingdom of God, His reign, His path of peace for your life is right at the doorstep. You have the opportunity to let Him in. He's right there. And you don't have forever. There's urgency with that. And if they refuse, it says, go into the street, wipe off the dust from the town from your feet to show that you've left them to their fate. And know this, the kingdom of God is near. I sat in a hospital room yesterday with someone who said, we take life so much for granted. I don't know why you don't think it'll happen to you. I don't know why. You only have so much time. The kingdom of God is near. So what are we living it for? This next slide here. We're to go proclaim the kingdom. As Jesus said to those making excuses, your duty is to go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And we see in this scripture four times it mentions both word and deed. Walk the talk. As Jesus did, as the word became flesh, as John chapter 1 says, the incarnate Jesus embodying the truth of God being lived out in flesh and action. There's so much power in that. And Acts, Acts 1 mentions what Jesus began to do and to teach. See that? To do and to teach. It's continuing through the church. The reign and kingdom of God is on the move. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. As Peter saw Jesus in these chapters, he declared in a pivotal moment in every one of the Gospels, I think in every one, at least three of them, 
Halfway through a pivotal moment, Jesus, Peter declares, Jesus says, who do you say that I am? Peter says, you are the chosen one. You are the Christ. You are the coming king to fix this whole mess. We're called to bring that message through all places, through all time, through all means. There's a great parable of the Good Samaritan in these chapters. An unlikely hero. Because in these chapters, the Samaritans resist the kingdom of God. Jesus says, don't hold that prejudice. The kingdom of God is near to everybody. And they show this man who went out and showed mercy. Who did it. The priests walked by. The scribe walked by. They thought they were doing the business of the Lord. They saw a messy situation and God can't work through that, could he? And then here's a Samaritan who says, yeah, the kingdom of God can come here. And it takes care of the man. Combined word with deed brought the kingdom. So, we have people doing that here. Bringing the kingdom. It's a privilege as a pastor. You get a frontline view of seeing what's going on. I wish I did a better job sharing that with you. God's kingdom is on the move here through Faith Baptist, through faithful people saying, yeah, I'll do that. I'll embody that message of the kingdom. The world needs to hear it. It is good news. It is good news. We treat it sometimes like we know the world won't want it. I don't know why. It's wonderful. Remember my little girl? She needed to take some liquid Tylenol. And I just assumed she wouldn't like it. And she didn't like it. And boy, we knew she needed to have it. So there was a little fight that ensued trying to get her to take the Tylenol. And finally I thought, you know what? This stuff's cherry flavored. She likes fruit and stuff. So I just give her a little taste of it. She loved it. Gave her a little taste of it more. Loved it. Took the whole thing. No fight. And I just thought to myself, how often we try and shove the message of God down someone's throat. When we can show respect. We can deliver it the way it was intended in both word and deed. People will love it. You don't have to sell it. You don't have to sell the best product that's out there, do you? You can say, hey, this is 10 times better, half the price. Were you a good salesman? No, you just got a really good product, okay? You don't have to sell it. It doesn't need marketing. 
It just needs to be lived out. It just needs to take root and be real in our own lives. And if the light is shining, people are going to see it. Especially, especially in your darkest moment. That light will shine even more clearly. Because people will say, there is no other reason. And that will bug them. And they're going to ask you for the hope that you have. And 1 Peter mentions in chapter 3.15, be ready to give them an answer. Amen, church? We have an answer. We have a risen king that's bringing a reign of peace to his people. And Jesus doesn't just want to use the 12. doesn't just want to use the 72. Every face I see here this morning, God wants to bring his kingdom to you. Because he loves you. And he wants to bring the kingdom through you. Because he loves them. So, I have asked one of our short-term missionaries, Brianna Grover, to share about her trip here. If you'd come up, as you think about what's your message, what are you living now, I want you to take a look at this video. It's about a minute long, and then we'll ask Brianna to share. Hi, so I'm Brianna Grover. I've been doing missions on and off for the last two years, and I'm mostly stationed in Guatemala now. I... I'm going, actually, I'm going back again. Um, this is kind of becoming a thing where it's not just a mission trip, but, you know, it's more of a lifestyle, and I really love Guatemala with all my heart. And so I just wanted to thank you guys all for sending me out and for giving me the support that you've given me because, you know, Pastor Rob and I talked a little bit this last week over this message and how we can kind of, what I can say to you guys and encourage you all as well, but what I came to is when the disciples went out, they also needed people to stay home, right? Because they needed the town to receive them. And so everyone has a part when it comes to the kingdom of heaven, no matter if it's staying home and receiving the disciples or the people that are being sent out or literally going out, right? And healing people and praying over people and teaching, you know? And so like, as you saw, my mom and my brother got to have a little experience with me. They came for two weeks in May, and they got to see me teach my kids. They got to see um, the school we go to, all the communities that we got to visit and that I work in, and it was a life-changing experience for them as well, I think. And so as Rob was speaking and as I was contemplating on what I was going to share with you guys for the last week, because there's, like Rob said, so much in here, I think this is the thing that the Lord wants me to share with you guys. So when we were talking about how Jesus feeds the 5,000, right? He talks about them getting, you know, something to eat. And the disciples were really worried. They're like, we need to send these people out. We got to, they got to go eat. They got to find a place to stay. And they said this because they were afraid, right? And Jesus was like, no, you feed them. Like, you, I'm right in front of you, you know, and we all have Jesus in our hearts. Therefore, we are able to feed the 5,000, just like Rob was saying. And one verse that really stuck out to my, I guess, like my heart and my mind was, um, let's see, nine sixteen. It says he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them, and it was he was talking about the food. He said a blessing, and the one thing that stuck out to me was he looked to heaven. 
I mean, Jesus, right? He's part God. He looked up to heaven because he knows he can't do it himself. And so when we're in this situation, you know, we're here in Hampton, Iowa, and we're like looking down, looking all around us, you know, like, what can we do? Well, how can I help? Maybe if we look up to heaven, right, and what the Bible says and what the message says, we might get our answers. And so it's not just about, you know, uh, I need to donate $5,000 to Samaritan's Purse. Like, it's not like that. It's like the little things, you know, Jesus blessed the food and it multiplied. It doesn't need to be this grand thing. It can be something really, really little, right? So that really stuck out to my heart. And then if you go down to verse 23, 9, 23, it says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. And so I've been living out this um, verse, I guess it's been on my heart a lot since I've been in Guatemala. And I was living with cockroaches in my house. Um, I had a tin roof. It was pretty bad. <laughs> it's pretty dangerous in Guatemala. But I was thinking, what am I living for? Like, what am I doing? The days that I'm really tired in Guatemala, I don't want to teach. My Spanish isn't very good. I'm crying. I miss my family. I don't have a roommate. I'm living alone, and I don't have community. Like, what am I doing this for? And if you saw in those pictures, when my mom and brother and I were there, those people were so grateful to have us and receive us and to give them the good message. They were so grateful to have us praying with them and just be there for them because they don't have anybody. And so if no one's going to be there... If you're not going to go, then who's going to go, you know? And so I just want to encourage all of the church to, you know, you don't have to be the one that goes out. You can do it right here in Hampton, Iowa. You can go to your jobs and pray over people. You can, and just like what Rob was saying, living the word out. You know, you don't have to say, oh, my gosh, Luke 9 says this, you know? But loving somebody, asking how their day was, caring for them, being a brother and a sister in Christ— and so I just wanted to thank you. I mean, I'm just going to kind of say it. I think, I think, you know, Guatemala is huge in my heart, and I want to keep going back and eventually maybe live there full-time one day and do mission work. And I would love for all of you to get the experience to go out there as well, but also don't feel like you're helpless here because you are helpless. You're helpless to me, or you're helpful. You're helpful to me, you're helpful for people out there, and you're helpful to your community, your congregation. And so... I also want to encourage you guys by saying that um, I had a story in Guatemala, actually, that just kind of woke me up. So I actually came face to face with a, um, there's a woman, and she was actually, had a demon in her, and we were praying, and this demon manifested. And I just want to encourage you all by saying, um, it woke me up. Like, it, it really woke me up to thinking, there are people that are being tortured and that need help here in the United States, here in Iowa, but also out there. And so pray for people, you know, be on the lookout for people who need help because it's right here as well. And so if you guys want to bow your heads with me and just pray um, over kind of what I've been doing and the people there, and then also you guys, I want to pray over you guys in the congregation that we would have a bold heart to go and to serve and just to have the yes that Jesus had. So if you guys want to bow your heads with me. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity and for giving me the opportunity to be able to share your word out with my family and my congregation. I'm so grateful that you have given us the ultimate roadmap, the ultimate 
roadmap to show us what we need to be doing and how to live it out. Thank you that we can do your work right where we are in Hampton, Iowa. And thank you for specifically me for sending me out and for sending and giving the commandment to send everyone out here, Lord. I pray that my congregation would just have a spirit of boldness and that the Holy Spirit is over all of these people and so they can start living out your word in such a way that is not so intimidating and that they can go up to the person who maybe denies you, but they can still love them, that we can still fight for them because they are yours. And so, Lord, thank you so much for my kids in Guatemala and my family in Guatemala. I pray over them in Jesus' name that whatever we prayed for, um, that it comes to fruition. Thank you for the nations. Thank you for you. Thank you for your word. And I pray again over my family and congregation. I love them. And thank you so much for their yes and their willingness. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Next week, chapters 11 and 12 is the homework. We're going to be praying the kingdom in. We're going to be lifting our eyes to heaven, asking for him to bring the light of his kingdom to those in darkness. And as Jesus says next week, he says, if I cast out demons by the power of God, then know this, the kingdom of God has arrived among you. Let's go make that evident this week in Jesus' name.